electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Tonight on Fast Pop the Bubbly, we just close out a monster year in Wall Street. As we await the ball drop, do you stick with what is working or is it out with the old and in with a new strategy for 2022? Plus Disney's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad year. The media stock, the worst performer in the Dow in 2021, but is a magical turnaround in the works. We're breaking down the trade and later a true sign of the times. Radio Shack getting a big makeover and it has everything to do with the crypto craze. We will explain. Welcome to Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Here's your trade up line, trader lineup for this New Year's Eve show. Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, Nadine Terman, and Bono and Eisen. All-star lineup. We've got you. Uh, and we start off with a live look at Times Square. Fast Money's home in normal times. We are less than seven hours away from ringing in a new year. And if you were long the market in 2021, you have every reason to celebrate. The S&P surging 27 percent to hand in its best year since 2019. And you couldn't miss every single sector posting gains led by energy, tech, financials. So as we gear up for a new year, we want to know the top trade for 2022. So let's go around the horn. Could be sector, could be stock. Karen, kick it off. Yeah, so my top trade, probably not all that surprising, uh, there's, sorry, is banks. And it's really based on a few things. But the main premise is that I think the Fed will raise rates, right? They've telegraphed it over and over and over again. And so I think value stocks will be where you want to be uh, heavily weighted in your portfolio. So banks are clearly value stocks. If you have premier names like a J.P. Morgan, a Bank of America, you know, trading at a low single-digit multiple in this environment and I think their business, we all know the yield curve is compressing, but they will be able to grow loans. And that's been sort of a slow, uh, that's been weighing on their growth. And I think that will be an accelerant to their growth combined with their ability to do buybacks. I like the value. I think we're going to see some very nice returns on top of very nice returns in 21. So banks is my top industry of the year. You got to see that spread expand, though. I mean, I know there are plenty of reasons why that's not the reason why banks make money. That's not the reason why the stocks will go higher. But yet it is because that's just the way it has been, Bonwin. And I'm curious what your take on on what the yield curve will bring us next year will be in relationship to Karen's trade. Well, I think the Fed's going to be reluctant to raise rates in the front end to an extent where it inverts yield curve and leads to recessionary pressures. Um, as Karen said, they've all but telegraphed their intentions in terms of tapering and in terms of raising rates. So that's going to be baked in. And I do think as long as the yield curve remains you know, somewhat steep, that, that will bode very well for banks. We've got to get that 10-year, and that's just telling us a slightly different story. But, but given the outlook on commodities, we can't have a robust outlook on commodities and a negative outlook on growth. So that's going to be reconciled. And if it does... And that yield curve remains normalized. I think the banks will do well. You like financials, Nadine? We've been trimming financials. So I have exchanges, which are part of financials, but we've actually been trimming banks. Uh, We actually think the growth of GDP is going to decelerate. The growth of inflation is going to decelerate. So, 
Yeah, the Fed may raise rates a little bit, but the other factors, the macro factors, are going to weigh on them, and we might be better off in other sectors. Steve, uh, you like value also, a uh, different sector, but also value. I, I do. Do you, do you want me to hold up my board now? Or you want me to comment on the financials? No, no. Hold, I love hold me up, a good, a good board, board to hold up. I, I, you've been holding onto your board since the last show, which was like two nights ago. So go ahead. I know. I've been, I've, been itchy, I've been itching to get this thing right up here. All right. So here we are. So for me, it's a value trade as well. And I, and I do believe, there we go, cover my face, which is, this, is the best, this is the best I've ever looked on television, by the way. So for me, it's value. And just think about this. China actually was a huge problem, huge headwind, right? So now you started to see recently China PMI surprised to the upside. Uh, we had the variant that actually put a little fly in the ointment here, so to speak. That's going away. So I think value will outperform probably as soon as next month, next week, in the next two weeks or so. So I do believe Karen's trade will work. And to Bonowin's point, I don't think the Fed is going to raise uh, as much as everyone thinks. What does that do? The short end of the curve, which is what Bonowin was commenting on, will probably drop. And in theory or in practice, that will actually steepen the curve. So I think financials are going to be okay. I think global chemical names, Trinseo, TSE, and I think DOW are going to be the place where you want to put your money. Do you also like uh, sort of the chemical sector, Karen, materials, that sort of bucket in value? I do, because I think we're going to see growth in building. I think they're somewhat related to infrastructure as well. And I like that also that valuation, right? I, I, I think... So Steve and I are very much aligned on that value being where you want to be. And the sort of flip side of that is I don't want to be. I actively don't want to be in super high flyers. Okay. Let's get to Bonowin. Um, this is an interesting one because this really is predicated on, on your initial notion that the Fed won't really raise as soon as everybody thinks. Sorry, I thought you were asking me for my for for my pick. No, um, I'm asking you for your pick, which is predicated on the on the on your notion that the uh, Fed won't raise. <laughs> get, get, got it, got it. So um, my my pick here is uh, is emerging markets, and it's predicated on a few things. Um, Melissa's comments, not, notwithstanding. So essentially, we have a very frothy market in the domestic market. Um, we have what looks to be a very robust robust outlook on commodities. Uh, we have negative sentiment in both Brazil and China. Now, I think Brazil is a bit more warranted. Um, and the negative sentiment in China sets up well for somewhat of a contrarian trade here. And you kind of loop in what Steve said about PMI in China. If we get a pickup in global growth, I think as you've seen that froth in the U.S., you will see that kind of move to other pockets in terms of uh, the Acqui or EMX Brazil. And so I think as investors continue to kind of chase yield, um, you will see some outflows into some of those other emerging countries. And EM is going to be my top pick for 2022, if for no other reason that, that I think it will outperform what has historically worked throughout 2021. Nadine, you like China? Is that right? I do. We've been, yeah, we've been entering a little bit into China. We've had a nice little boost this week. But it's going to be the one country next year where the growth of GDP is accelerating. So Bonowin's got it here. EM should do better, but you have to pick your spots. But China should be better next year. 
And again, you could go with FXI, which is more broad-based, or if you can you know, invest locally, that would be a preference, too. Karen, um, I noticed a Twitter feed, uh, a thread, actually, that you posted just, I think, a couple days ago, and, and you talked about BABA then being a mistake. And I'm wondering if at this point you think mm-hmm. it's time to relook at some of these names that had been basically shot down by the Chinese government. Um, maybe they can turn a page in 2022. Right. Well, maybe. But I always remember the phrase, you don't have to make it back where you lost it. And I think that so the mistake I made in China was not giving enough credit to this sort of, you know, uh, the totalitarian, whatever you want to call it. Um, But I think about, okay, if you were to if they were to do a a spin and have Ant and their cloud business and the mall business um, and Alibaba all together and spin out the okay, the government can do whatever they want with us. How would you value that? And I just don't know at all. So that could be right. It absolutely could bounce. And I won't feel bad about it if I'm not there for it, because I'd feel really bad if I made the same mistake twice. <laughs> um, Nadine, let's get to your, your top sector for the year. All right, I even drew you a nice little picture. So we've got the XLRE. Um, it's along a line of being defensive and our Rust plus HR being the real estate sector. It does well when inflation decelerates, whether or not the growth of GDP is accelerating or decelerating. We tend to have longer duration real estate assets in our portfolio right now. We've owned Equinix, uh, which is a data center business in various capacities since 2013. We had Infi, which is now part of Marvell, AMH, Nippon Prologis, which is in Japan, Cell Towers, U.S. and abroad. But the XLRE has some really top names. The price right now, though, at 51.80, is at, you know, call it in the middle of our range. So I'd like to pick this up closer to 49.70. So don't go rush out Monday unless you get that, especially because it's at a 26% implied volatility discount. And so what do I want there is I want it to be a premium. I want people to be a little bit more worried because right now it's got two to one downside versus upside. But be patient and get there under 49.70. And I think you're going to have a good run into 2022. All right. So what does the chart master see in the new year? Let's get to Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Carter, what are you looking at? Well, I've got two sectors to talk about. And um, actually, I'm certainly with Nadine on real estate. That's one of the two. But the first is industrials. Um, it's no good. Uh, how, how else would you characterize it? Take a look at this chart. So there's a four or five year chart. The red line drawn along the top, the flat line is it broke out to new highs. But if your relative performance to the other choices you could have made looks like that bottom panel, i.e. could have put the whole thing in the SPY, uh, it's called negative alpha, right? So not working, not performing, um, and it's gonna come to life all of a sudden now, Uh, I think it's one of the least desirable along with financials. Now, take a look at the second chart. This is uh, the REIT sector. So same circumstance, a two panel chart, okay. And on the top, REITs, they break out, but their bottom panel, the underperformance is starting to change. In fact, REITs were up 42% this year, blowing away almost every other sector. And the beauty of the IYR or any other uh, ETF that you get the towers, like American Tower, CCI, you get the big industrial reads and the storage names, which have been on fire and look to be continuing. Uh, this would be a favorite area. All right. And Carl, while we have you, how about uh, your outlook for 2022 overall? 
Right. So what we know is that since the 09 low, we've only had uh, three down years and barely. Right. So the only really down year was 2018, down six and a quarter. 2011 was onch. 2015, a down year, but down less than one percent. And so the question is, you know, do we get another robust year or not? Uh, two things to consider. Since data has been tracked, it's not their fault. It's just the human condition. Wall Street strategists have a group. The last 15 years have never once predicted a down year. Of course, because why would you? No one wants to hear that. They want a bullish view, right? So the view is always higher looking ahead. So the question is, do we have a down year? We'll see. But the bigger question is, is the upside potential bigger than the downside risk? And I would say no. Hmm. All right, Carter, we'll see you again in, uh, in a few minutes on Options Action. And you won't want to miss it because Carter also has a bold call for the new year. He sees... This one sector outperforming the broader markets in 2022. He's going to lay out the charts on OA. In the meantime, let's trade Carter's picks. So Nadine likes real estate. Carter likes real estate. Does Steve Grasso like real estate? You know, uh, you know, Carter and Nadine touched on all this. Uh, Carter said the, X, uh, uh, the uh, XLRE is up 42 percent uh, year to date. But for the last uh, three months, it's up 16 percent. For the last month, it's up 9 percent, which means... It's not running out of momentum. I, I just am a little weary of investing in it at this point. So Nadine hit it on the head. Wait for a little bit of a pullback. Wait for a better entry. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to be where you see the most gains. I'd rather play the underperformers going into 2022. Karen, you've got some industrials in your portfolio, so I'm wondering what your take is on, on Carter's prognostications about um, it, it's being right. a sector underperforming. Yes. Right. Well, I flinched a little bit when he said that. It's just terrible. I looked at the notes uh, we had uh, earlier, and uh, I mean, that divergence is as wide as it, it's been, um, which makes me think, all right, at some point it needs to converge. But they're not all the same. All industrials are not the same, right? I think a lot of what happened, you know, if you look at Boeing for this year and you look at GE, and then there's a lot that really outperformed. Um, you know, United Rentals had a very big year, up, I don't know, 40-something percent. UPS had a good year. FedEx at flat for the year was very disappointing. But I think the space, I, I'll accept him being negative on the space. I don't think that means that you can't make money within the space. Absolutely. All right, coming up, you've got questions and they've got answers. Radio Shack has gone from selling cords to selling crypto. The details straight ahead. But first, Disney and the dumps. Shares coming in dead last for the year for the Dow. Is there no more magic in that trade? We'll debate that next. But as we head to break, check out 2021's top five S&P 500 winners. Much more fast straight ahead. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. 
edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. It was a monster year for the market with the Dow gaining 19%, but not everyone came along for the ride. This year's worst Dow performer, drum roll please. Disney, imagine it in your head. Uh, That stock falling 14.5% in its worst year since 2008. It was a roller coaster ride for Disney as upticks in COVID cases sent investors fleeing on fears its parks business could take another hit. Its streaming business not picking up the slack either. Disappointing sub numbers, spooky investors accustomed to supercharged growth for Disney Plus. So will 2022 be a more magical one for Disney? Bonwin, would you jump on this Disney train into the new year? I would. I mean, it can't get any less magical. I mean, there is no magic in that wand at all this year. So, I mean, by default, I'm going to go on ahead and say yes. Um, you mentioned the subgrowth. You know, I do think it still has the upside exposure in terms of like the reopening trade. I think you'll start to see some normalization also in the studio um, segment of their business as well. Um, and the, the, the streaming really that led to like a massive expansion of price to equity uh, multiples, and you've seen that converge. And I think that sets up positively, as all the panelists have kind of said, these outsized P ratios don't bode well going forward. And I think you start to see some, uh, some of that abate, which I think sets up constructively. Mm-hmm. How do you think about Disney's valuation at this point, Karen? I mean, at one point, the streaming business, one could say, was so overvalued um, for what it was, banking on the growth of it. And then they came in with numbers that disappointed. So where are we at now? Mm-hmm. Well, it's still not cheap. I mean, I think there, it's still priced for some kind of magic. Maybe not like, you know, I don't know who's a great musician, Dave, uh, mag- magician, David Blaine, maybe more of a uh, Las Vegas kind of magic act. But it's still, it's not cheap at 25 times EBITDA. Now, I know that the, uh, you know, a lot of the, hotels and cruises and Disneyland, all the theme parks can come back more than they have already. I understand that. But I don't think all of the air is out of the streaming. I think Bob Chapek did a great job of telegraphing that. That did a lot of good for him. You know, it established him as someone you can, he's going to tell it like it is. He's not going to hold back the bad news. And that lowered expectations. And as Bonwin said, that whole sector came down. I still think there's a little bit more froth in the sector it's a premier name. It should be. They're fantastic. But at 25 times next year's EBITDA, I don't know. It's, it's okay. I don't think it'll be the, Dow, the dog of the down next year. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, if you wanted a reopening trade or want a stock that was really leveraged to reopening, would it be a Disney or would it be something else where you don't have the streaming overhang or vice versa? Or the other side, if you wanted a streaming name, would you go with Disney or would you go with more of a pure play, Nadine? It's a multi-level question, Mel. <laughs> um, in terms of Disney, while we like the company, and it's funny because this is one name that we get questions from from clients, like, hey, can you put it in our portfolio? So there's a beloved aspect to this name. And we like the Hulu asset, like the ad revenues on there, but they're spending a lot. So it's really about monetizing those digital assets. I think there's other ways to, get, to make money to answer your first question about uh, monetizing digital assets other than Disney. So I wouldn't invest just on that. But they are going to spend, instead of $25 uh, billion in fiscal 21, up to $33 billion in 22. So we have to see the magic happen out of that. In terms of parks and experiences and products, you know they're going to rise. It's a reopening. But if I'm going to buy Disney, it's got to be below 149. So our trading range is 149 to 160. So there's about 4.5% downside to maybe 2.6% upside on a near-term basis. 
and people aren't paying for protection right now, so it's a little bit complacent, so get a little bit cheaper. Just like the REITs, wait a little bit, and then I think you can own this name for years, but it's not going to be the massive alpha generator relative to other businesses, but it could be a solid trade. All right, up next, Radio Shack is getting a major facelift and an ultimate sign of the times. The details ahead as we head to break, check out the year's five worst performing S&P 500 names. We'll be right back. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Fast Money. New year, new Radio Shack. A big sign of the times is a 100-year-old two-time bankrupt electronics retailer, Taps into the Bitcoin boom, Radio Shack announcing plans to rebrand as a cryptocurrency exchange platform. It is aiming to compete with the likes of Coinbase and Binance from batteries to Bitcoin. Is this a smart move for the Shack? <laughs> I never thought we'd talk about Radio Shack on this show, Karen. I mean, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> right. Uh, what, so you bring your radio in and they give you some Bitcoin? What, what's the, I don't really get how they're going to do that. Radio or fax I machine, that, you know, any of these beta okay. <laughs> Oh, Guy is going to have a field day with that. His eight, uh, you know, uh, what is that, eight track player and whatnot. Anyway, I think they're going to be very late to the party. It's going to be, I, I would, I would not get on the radio shack slash meta slash Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, Radio Shack train. Yeah, I mean, you had to wonder what Radio Shack was going to do with the name like Radio Shack. I mean, it's you see Radio Shack stores, and if you do, they're independently operated, by the way. Um, so, Steve Grasso, this this could be a way to sort of revive this this brand. I mean, this does reek of a meme stock, does it not? I mean, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I agree with Karen. I don't think it makes a ton of sense. But it really does give some fodder for people to play with. And, and just another name that you could kind of uh, just, you know, putz around with. So I, I think it's as good, unless you had the ability to get a Walmart crypto counter, Radio Shack was going to have to do. It was, the, it was the name they had. It was ubiquitous among, amongst an older demographic. So best of what they could do with, and, and Radio Shack, what, what were they going to do anyway? So you know, there's only so much of a market for a AAA battery or a watch battery that no one uses anymore. Um, what, what was their ticket before? It was RSH, I think, once upon a time, a long, long yes, time rash. ago. Yeah. Rash. All right, time for the final trade. <laughs> uh, your first trade in the new year. Let's go around the horn. Bono and Eisen, what do you say? I'm sticking with the real estate theme, Zillow. I think the cash burn will abate, and they're back to their core business. Karen Feinerman. I love Zillow, by the way, but mine is sticking with the bank theme. It's Bank of America. And Mel, I'm happy to be here every day or how many days a week with you guys. And it's such an honor. Thank you. We are the lucky ones, Karen. Nadine. <laughs> Equinix. It's a global data center business along the line of the REIT theme. And uh, Happy New Year to all. Steve Grasso. I'm going to go with Disney. Disney down 14% year to date, but it was up 7% this month. That tells me that there's momentum in the game. I think next year is going to be a ton better. Price targets are close to $200 as an average average price target. I think it's a good entry point, Disney. 
All right, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. That does it for us for 2021. We will see you next year. Don't go anywhere. Options Action is up next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.